Hello, this is the Contractor Coffee Club podcast presented by EGIA, and I'm Mark Madison, your host. This podcast is hosted on EGIA.org slash podcast, where you can also find links to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, along with an archive of all previous episodes, a submission form for our listener Q&A, and the link to take the latest EGI snapshot survey. In today's episode, we'll continue our discussion about developing breakthrough relationships and sales. I call this caring. Zig Ziglar said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. In fact, the way he said it was, it really is true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I believe that. I think that's true. I know that sounds a little bit like Bill Clinton, but hey, it's been said that sales is an act of pure creativity and caring. The word for sales in some languages translates into the word service. How creative are you in demonstrating your caring to your prospects and clients? My mother was the queen of the handwritten thank you note and thoughtful letter. Every night before she would read a book, she sat down at her writing desk and dashed off a well-worded thank you note or two for a kindness expressed. I borrowed that habit from her. I need to do much more of it, but hey, there's something magical about a handwritten note with blue ink and paper. In this lazy, fast-paced, digital tweeting world in which we find ourselves, a well-crafted and other-centered handwritten note is priceless. Spoken words regardless of how kind or caring, are simply frost on a windshield. They're gone in a few minutes. A handwritten postcard or thank you note, on the other hand, goes a long way into building the relationship. Why? Because it's so rare. It's so uncommon. It's unique. Leo Bascalia said, too often we underestimate the power of touch, a smile, a kind written word or listening ear or an honest compliment or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. Margaret Mead said, never believe that a few caring people can't change the world, for indeed, that's all who ever have. And of course, H. Jackson Brown said, live so that when your children think of fairness, caring, and integrity, they think of you. In 1982, while I was waiting to get in the apprenticeship program for Local 32, the Pipe Fitters Union in Seattle, I started a little chimney cleaning service. And to my great surprise, it took off quickly. By my first Christmas, I had 250 clients. So I had a picture postcard made, you know the kind, the one your hip relatives and friends have made of their family at Christmas. Only with mine, I left a small space to the left to write a note, you know, a postcard. So there I was with my top hat and tails, chimney brush and a big smile on my creosote-covered face. It was a big hit. One old gentleman, I call him old because I was 23 at the time and he was probably 73. Now that doesn't seem so old, but hey, he called me after and had me come back to clean his wood stove. As I wrote up the invoice at his kitchen table, I noticed my postcard on his fridge, and I commented on it. Oh, that was such a wonderful gesture, he said to me. My pleasure, I replied. No, 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 thank you. You don't understand. It was the only Christmas card I got. He said, thank you. I thought of the Beatles song, Eleanor Rigby. My good friend and fellow speaker and social media and communications expert, Kevin Knebel, shared with me how he doubled his business in a year with postcards from the road. Being just the slightest bit skeptical, I asked, well, how many a day? And he replied in a confident tone, 20. When I'm traveling, which, by the way, is almost every week now, I got it. And I thought to myself, okay, I can do 10 as a test. So for the last 45 days, I sent out 10 postcards a day, and it cost me 58 cents. It takes a little less than an hour. Kevin's fond of saying sales is about starting a conversation. Wow, so simple. 
I'm having so many great conversations with old friends and clients. I can't believe I wasn't doing this from the beginning. My good friend Adam Christing tried to tell me this two years ago. Hey, we're ready when we're ready. One of my favorite sales books is by Joe Girard. He wrote a book called How to Sell Anything to Anybody. And in it, he said, everyone knows 250 people. That's how many on average come to your wedding or your funeral. So let's start there. What if you wrote five postcards a day to your top 250 existing clients? That means by the end of two months, every important client has heard from you by the end of the year six times. Six thoughtful gestures from you. Who do you think they're going to call when they need something? Who do you think they're going to call when somebody says, do you know a good contractor? It's the power of the postcard. But who knew? And so I shook my head with all these new conversations I was having on the phone, texts, emails, letters, LinkedIn messages from old clients and friends in just 45 days. Kevin said to me, wait till you've done it for a year. I considered why this was such a powerful proposition. After all, results are the name of the game. And I was getting the results. But here are my top 12 reasons why you should try this. Number one, it's so simple. Number two, it takes five minutes. Number three, it's so cost-effective, 25 cents at Walgreens for the postcard and 33 cents for the stamp. That's 58 cents. Number four, no one does it. Number five, it doesn't get caught in the spam filter. Number six, it says, I care about you. Number seven, it positions you in the top of the mind awareness, or as my good friend Adam Sussman calls it, TOMA, T-O-M-A. It's really Remember Me or Marketing 101. Eight, it's very creative, unique. I buy mine from the road, Pismo Beach, New Orleans, Vegas, Chicago, Seattle. Makes it kind of fun. And number nine, it's fun. Some of the postcards are hilarious and it makes people smile. Number 10, it's good business. It costs a dollar to keep a client, seven to get a new one. Number 11, your clients will reach out to you and the new business will happen. Referrals, projects, products, service requests, flow of information comes because you started a conversation. And number 12, like working out daily, it's good for me. It forces me to think others. And when I get in a groove, I really enjoy it. It's kind of an exercise in gratitude. But what if I don't have 250 clients? Well, that's okay. To whom do I send them? Simple. Customers, prospects, good friends, vendors, relatives. All that matters is the discipline, the reps. Good things will start happening within 90 days. I promise. What do you say six times a year? Well, how about borrowing from other people who do it? I like to say thank you for your friendship, trust, or business. My late mentor, Charlie Tremendous Jones, used to say, you're tremendous. I thank God every time I think about you. Joe Girard just wrote, I like you. At first, I thought that was odd. Then I got to thinking about it later, and after I started writing postcards, I thought, you know, that's pretty smart. I like you. My friend Kevin says, to your massive success. One of my favorites is happy birthday. Okay, so it's a little late or a little early, but does that really matter? And finally, I got the gift of 84,600 seconds a day. I wanted to take one of those to say I'm grateful for our friendship. My mother had about 50 really close friends because of her thank you note habit. And by her able example, I believe the seed of this idea was planted. Thanks, Bob. President George Bush wrote five thank you notes a day from early in his political career. He claims it put him in the White House. By the way, so did Presidents Carter, Reagan, and Clinton. I can hear the men objecting. Hey, writer Ernest Hemingway, a man's man if there ever was, was an avid writer of handwritten notes. So why not send postcards to your top 250 for the next 90 days, just as a test? Even if your business doesn't double, your joy will. You never know. It might be the only card they ever get. And Ziegler was right. People don't care how much you know. 
until they know how much you care. You ever gotten a thank you note, Lucas, and, and said to yourself, wow, that's cool. I have much more often than I've said, darn, I wish I didn't get another one of these. <laughs> oh, and if, if I were a woman, I'd say, oh, you know, <laughs> as a man, I would never say that in public. So, you know, but in private, when you're opening the thank you card at home, you can in your office with the door closed, you can say that. Well, it's it's crazy. I've, I've, I've pretty much kept every note I've ever received. I have a big box. I just put them in. Every I think once that's in a while, I go through the box and read them. Yeah, I think. What's that? I think that's a common practice, and it, it fits into what you're saying. Not only is it nice to get them and keeps you top of mind, but I think people have a habit of, yeah, if that's the only Christmas card you got this year, you're going to keep that Christmas card. And right, every time you look at it, it's there's Mark Madison. Well, and what was cool is that, and what I didn't mention was I started getting cards, postcards from clients. They started sending me some. I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> so it's like, uh, it kind of starts something. Yeah. That's, and then it kind of is, it's beyond just a customer client relationship, right? And then it's, you have a, right. real, a real relationship. And obviously we've talked a hundred times before on this before that the more you have an, a current active relationship with people, the more, the better your business is going to do. Absolutely. I think it's about, well, it's about trust, relationship, competency, and timing, right? Yeah. So Helen Keller said, optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. So let's talk a little bit about confidence. You and I can't sell if we don't believe in our product or service. Confidence makes all the difference in sales. When I was that young chimney sweep, I believed in the products I was selling and the service I provided. And the primary reason was one day my wife and I were at a bed and breakfast and I witnessed a chimney fire. Chimney fires get up to 1,400 degrees. It sounds like a train running through the house. It was terrifying. It's one thing to read about them. It's quite another to experience the sheer terror and uncertainty of it. The owner of this B&B screamed, and guests ran outside to witness flaming balls of creosote shooting out of the chimney like a giant Roman candle. Being the only person in the room that understood what was really going on, I reached up and closed the flue. The fire died down almost immediately, and you see oxygen fueled the fire, and by shutting the damper, well... I cut off the supply of air that allowed the fire to rage. After the fire department left, I turned to the owner of the B&B and I said, you know, it might be a good idea to clean your chimney. Find a good chimney sweep in your area and have them come by and do it at least once a year. But after that experience, I would look at my customers in the eye and say, you know, trust me when I tell you, you never want to experience a chimney fire. It can, in short order, burn your house down. Now, having said that, let me explain your options on how you can prevent that from ever happening to you. And I'd sell a chimney cap. To let the owner know when the creosote had accumulated on to dangerous levels on the underside of the cap and when it was time to call me for a cleaning. And a fire extinguisher and education on burning seasoned wood as opposed to green wood that has a higher creosote content. And one day I sold $350 worth of products. And this was in 1982 compared to the $35 I'd made for the cleaning. And I looked at the check for $350, which took me 15 minutes. Then I looked at the check for $35, which took an hour and a half and some back-breaking dangerous work. And I went, huh, which one of these should I get better at? You see, the sales I made from that day was based on my unshakable belief in the service I was providing. Sales is a transfer of belief and confidence in your product and service. Norman Vincent Peale said, believe in yourself. Have faith in your abilities. Without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers, you cannot be successful or happy. Confidence comes from discipline and training, said Robert Kiyosaki. So here's five things you can do to create confidence in yourself and what you sell. They work. Why not give it a try? Number one, invest in the product or service you provide. Put your money where your mouth is. When I was a technician, I used to 
tell building owners, if this was my mother's house or if this was my mother's building, what I'd tell her is, you know, it's probably a good idea to change the filters and replace the belts and clean the coils once a year. Number two, be honest with your prospects. If it's not a good fit, tell them. And, you know, I found that especially if you're a technician, a selling technician, or, or even a comfort consultant, the best thing you could do is, is to speak from the first person. If it were me, what I would do is, or what I have in my house is, see, if you don't have the, the brand of equipment that you sell in your house, you're making a statement to yourself and other people. So be honest with your prospects. Look them right in the eye and tell your story when it's time for you to talk. Even if they don't buy from you, leave a trail of, of trust behind. See, I really believe that if you're going to build breakthrough relationships, you have to ask questions and listen first. And then when it's your time to talk, talk about what you believe and what you would advise or suggest. Number four, your spirit of intent. Your motives are transparent. Like dogs smell or sense fear, your prospect can smell desperation or lack of confidence. If you don't believe in what you sell, you can't transfer that belief. And your aspect, your countenance, right? The words you use, the clothes you wear, your tone of voice, all that communicate confidence. Make sure you've covered all those bases, the devils and the details. I tell my audiences when I speak, I can tell you to keep a journal as I hold my current one up in the air because I fill four of these up a year, every year since 1982. Journaling will change your life and the life of your children and grandchildren. Why? Because it's true. And I believe it with all my heart and soul. As I sit here in my office, I'm looking at a stack of journals. There's probably a hundred of them sitting there. Trust me when I tell you chimney fires are avoidable. Do you know what you need to do to prevent the chimney fires of life from burning down your house? It's a very modest investment for peace of mind and safety that doing the right thing affords us all. You can be confident. It's a choice. Would you buy from an unconfident person, Lucas? I would not. I would think that would reflect on what they were selling. Right? And if somebody loves what they do, don't you pick up on that? Yeah, for sure. And you got to think that there's a reason that they love it, right? It's, they're passionate about a, a, a product, for example, if we're talking about sales, because they believe in the product. Right. I wonder what this woman knows or doesn't know. What, what does she know that I don't know? I did some work with Mary Kay years ago, a local rep, and this woman always looked like a million bucks. I mean, just she was a walking, talking model of what she was, what she was selling. And she was wildly successful. And I couldn't help but think that, you know, a lot of the women that she talked to wanted to be like her, right? So that comes with confidence, but it also comes in knowing and understanding your product and using it and having that belief. Well, the last thing I want to talk about is knowledge today. So someone who stops learning is old, whether at 20 or 80. Somebody who keeps learning stays young. The greatest thing in life is to your, is your mind is to stay young, Henry Ford. How well do you know your business? Would you call yourself an expert in your industry? It doesn't matter what business you're in. There's no neutral in business. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, wrote in his book, Grinding It Out, you're either green and growing or ripe and rotting. I like that. If you're going to lead the field in your industry, you and I must acquire what I call specialized knowledge. There's a simple formula for how much money you earn. D times A times DR equals money. The demand for what you do, that's what D stands for. Your ability to do it. That's the A. And the difficulty of replacing you equals your income. Demand. Sales professionals are the highest paid people in business after CEOs. There's no limit on how much you can earn in sales. I know a wealth management consultant in Alaska who earns millions of dollars a year, and he's 42 years old. Ability. Your skills in prospecting, qualifying, 
proposals, overcoming objections, closing the deal, and following up with extra mile service and earning endless referrals. That's ability. And the difficulty of replacing you. Are you the most valuable person in your company? Do you sell more than anyone else in your company, in the city, in the county, in the state, in the country? I know an HVAC technician who sells $2.4 million a year in add-on replacements and service agreements while he generates 50 hours a week in billable time. He has a 95% close ratio. He's laid back, kind, generous, and he takes the time to explain everything. But he's not afraid to ask for the sale. I was doing a seminar one day, and I was using him as the example. And I finally said to him, I said, Sean, what's, um, what's the number one objection you hear? And he smiled and kind of laid back Southern style. And he said, well, he said, uh, first thing I do is I said, we should probably talk to your husband. Do you have your cell phone? And she says, yes. The wife says, yes. Do you have a speaker function? She said, yes. Do you have your husband on speed dial? And she says, yes. Well, that's three S's. He goes, why don't we get your husband on the phone and let him know what we're deciding here? And so, sure enough, they get the husband on the phone and he closes the deal. And as he was describing that, I looked at these two gentlemen that were sitting in the front row and I could tell they were uncomfortable with what he was saying. So I turned to them and said, you guys don't, uh, you don't, you don't like that. And one of the guys said, well, it's kind of pushy. I said, I get it. I really do. I said, I'm curious. So what's your close rate? They said 25%. Why? I said, no, nah, I was just wondering. 95% close ratio. Colin Powell said, there's no secret to success. It's the result of preparation, hard work, and learning from failure. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Michael LaBeouf. He said, a satisfied, a satisfied customer is the best business strategy of all. And newest industry icon Elon Musk says, if you're trying to create a company, it's like baking a cake. You have to have all the ingredients in the right proportion. So what can you do to lead the field in your industry? Here's 10 proven strategies to become an expert in your field. Number one, read books that improve your skills. Books on psychology and sales and personal development and goals and time management, spiritual and self-help. Two, read trade magazines and newsletters, both digital and print. Stay abreast of what's happening in your industry. Be up on the latest trends. And of course, the good folks from EGIA have been contributing significantly lately to contracting business, have they not, Lucas? Yeah, indeed, yes. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I, I really, of course, I've written hundreds of them over the years. Number three, keep a journal. Capture the wins, the lessons, the ideas, the insights, the quotes. And after every call, ask yourself two simple questions on paper. What did I do well on this call? And what could I have done better in the last call? Or what am I going to do better next time? That simple discipline changed my close ratio from 50 to 75%. I, I couldn't believe how powerful it was just asking those two questions and then doing a little autopsy. Number four, find a mentor and ask him or her questions. Find somebody who's done what you want to do and been where you want to go. Invest a portion of your income and hire a coach. I once paid Dan Pointer, who wrote over 100 books, $500 for an hour of his time. It was the best money I ever spent. Number five, attend every seminar and workshop that comes to town, whether the company pays for it or not. It only takes one great idea to change your life and your business. Number six, plan your day every day, even on the weekends. This morning, I sat down in my journal and I wrote the six most important things I need to do. I've got five of the six things done, and it's just a little bit after lunchtime. When you make that list of the six most important things you need to do, once you, once you make that list of six, then ask yourself a simple question. If I was going out of town for 30 days and I could only get one of these things done, which one would be number one? Of the five remaining, ask the same question again. That's number two, and so on down the list. 
Then estimate how long you think each task is going to take and add up the time. And what you'll find is that it usually comes in somewhere between six and 10 hours. That's why I only list six things each day. And whatever I don't get done today, I forward to tomorrow. Number seven, think about your goals all day long. Say them out loud, write them down, find a picture of the goal, and imagine how you feel when you achieve it. I remember doing this the first time I put a bulletin board together for a goal. It was so I wanted to do seminars in Australia. And I remember putting up this big bulletin board with a picture of the Sydney Opera House and a didgeridoo and a map of Australia and a kangaroo crossing sign and big bold letters that said, it's fun and easy for me to do seminars in Australia. And I looked at that board every day for three months. And on the 91st day, I got a phone call out of the blue. And this fellow said, do you want to go to Sydney and Melbourne to speak? And I went, huh. Number eight, know your product and service inside out. Number nine, believe in your product and service. Practice what you preach. Install that equipment in your house, in your mother's house, and watch your productivity soar. And number 10, understand and communicate the benefits of your product or service to your prospects. You're either green and growing, or you're ripe and rotting. Which one are you? Well, Lucas, do we have any announcements? Uh, yeah, actually. I would love to mention that at EGIA, we've found the most successful contractors throughout the country all have one major thing in common. They offer financing options with every sale. Uh, but it can be confusing weaving your way through all the financing solutions in the marketplace, and it's costly to pick the wrong one for your company. Through the GeoSmart Financing Clearinghouse, EGIA has done the research, vetted the leading finance service offerings, and leveraged our national buying power to secure the best financing solutions for our EGIA members. A wide variety of options for every customer, including secured and unsecured, uh, fixed APRs as low as 0%, installment loans, revolving lines of credit, short-term, same as cash programs, and much more. Other advantages of GeoSmart include contractor consultations to ensure you pick the best options for your company, quick and easy enrollment in multiple financing programs, a financing call center that maximizes approval rates and closed deals, training for your team, and a sales and marketing toolkit. So to learn more, visit egia.org slash geosmart, G-E-O-S-M-A-R-T, uh, and enroll today. Mark, you, uh, I believe you probably have a, a, some opinion on financing, right? As I said, we've typically found that you want to offer financing with every, basically every sale, every time you walk into a home, have the ability to offer them financing so you can ensure they're getting the system for them, not just the system that they can afford today on whatever's in the savings account. Would you agree? Absolutely. And it removes the objection, I can't afford it. Yeah. You know, it's it's magical. And again, back to the gentleman with the 95% close rate, he was huge on financing. So it, it, it's like, look, you don't need to pay it now. We can put a financing program together for you. I mean, Eric Howarth is, a, is the expert on, on yeah. that at BGIA. And of course, we had him on a previous podcast. So absolutely, it's it's, it's huge, and it's a, it's a fantastic way to overcome the objection that I can't afford it. And it seems like, in my mind, it would it would kind of actually increase, as much as it sounds odd to say, well, you can increase what you're, you can have people buy a more expensive item, and it's going to increase customer satisfaction. But, you know, if somebody walks in and says, my budget is X, and you know the product that costs X is not right for them and isn't going to make them happy, but you sell it to them anyway, because that's the only thing that well, they, think they think they can afford. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They say, oh, I'm not taking financing. I have $5,000 in the bank. Give me whatever costs $5,000. And you know that they need something that costs twice that, then they're not going to be happy with the product you sell them. And they're not going to call you back because you sold them a product that wasn't right for them. And, right. And, uh, because you didn't have the ability. Well, if they tell you they have a budget, what I do is I say, look, there's, yeah, there's, you put three options together. The middle option is is the one they said they could afford. Then the one that's more expensive, 20 or 30% higher than that, is is the top option, right? So once you lay out a choice of yeses, they might realize, especially with financing, they can't afford the ones with more bells and whistles and, and it's just right for their particular home. So exactly. a, a lot of houses too end up having 
the units are undersized and they're locked onto what they paid, you know, previously for a smaller system. So there's a lot of variables there, but yeah, financing is going to help them be able to afford. And offer that, cho- that choice of yes is exactly what you exactly. can't really, if you if, if you're fixed on a non-financing budget, then you can't really give the full variety of what, what is probably the right solution for them, but might be out of a non-financing price range. Exactly. And anyone who wants to get into this in more detail, they can go to Amazon and get my new book, Sparking Sales Success. You can also get it on my website as well, www.sparkingsuccess.net. There you go. It's the, it's the cover with the guy with the bowler hat on. Lucas, thank you so much. Uh, that'll do it for today's episode. As always, visit egi.org slash podcast to find this episode, an archive of previous episodes, the online form to submit your questions for our mailbag segment, and links to subscribe to podcasts on Apple and Google Play app, and a link to the latest EGI snapshot survey. For more information about EGI membership, visit www.egi.org slash join. I'm Mark Madison. Thanks for letting me play in your sandbox. I'll see you next time. Music